Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and happy Tuesday, my friends. I'm Amy Lee San Juan, and I'd like to welcome you to a Cisco Champion Unfiltered episode a Cisco Champion radio spinoff series that gives our champions a platform to have casual conversations around a variety of topics focused on technology, career, and other interesting stuff. Don't forget, if you like our podcast, please subscribe wherever you're listening to us to receive alerts on our latest releases. All right, today we are talking about our home labs. Our champions are going to share their experiences with their home labs, whether they're virtual or physical, We'll cover use cases, cost considerations, and funding, lots of good stuff to talk about. So we're going to get into it. Let's start off with introductions. Gerard, I'm going to start with you. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. You live in that dream and uh, keep them busy. It never ends. <laughs> but I'm doing well. I'm glad to be back here with you all. Uh, my name is Gerard Cavallinas. I'm the founder of Tech House 570. I'm also an engineer for Helion Systems. You could find me on Twitter at G Cavallinas, on LinkedIn at Gerard Cavallinas, or wherever books are sold, and a media. All right. Did you want to tell us about your home lab setup? Yeah, my home lab setup is a physical one. Uh, I'm not opposed to virtual, but I'm more of a physical person, right? And we'll kind of touch base on that. But I have two 2960Xs, two 3550s, a new Fortinet 70F that I just put in, and three more pieces of gear that I just don't even remember right now. I've kind of lost track. It's a mishmash of everything. It's my Franken lab, right? But it's it's good, and it gives me the tools to better lab for not just my CCNA and other certs, but to really you know hone on the technology. Can we call it, what is your home lab love language? Is it physical or virtual? Mine is always going to be physical. Okay. Always, <laughs> always physical. <laughs> I need All to touch right. the hardware. <laughs> Jonathan, kicking it over to you. How are you? Oh, I'm good, thank you. Thanks, Emily, for having me. Uh, so, uh, my name's Jonathan Mahadi. I work in the mining industry as a principal engineer. Um, I'm on Twitter. I think my handle is uh, Jonathan.Mahadi. I'm also on LinkedIn. You'll find me somewhere along there. Um, yeah, my lab is kind of a hit and miss, right? I'm a big person for doing virtualization where I can, I find that's quite cost saving. But the other side of it then is like, I'm kind of like, I want to touch gear sometimes because I need to see it in action, uh, you know, for specific reasons to check heat cooling and power consumption, that kind of thing. So yeah, bit of bit of both, but mostly virtual. All right, Peter, welcome. Thank you. An episode, it's been a while. Oh, uh, yeah, it is. And I'm doing better, fortunately. So I'm back. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Peter Nefkens. I'm a strategic consultant and I've got my own company. Uh, you can find me on nefkens.net and via Twitter on uh, PJNF and on Mastodon via PJNF at knock.social. And my home lab is actually all of the above. Uh, I've got a physical home lab, which is production, uh, where I test all kind of new technology. Uh, I'm using a physical lab for testing out things for my customer. And I'm using virtual labs to set up new designs. And now and then I'm even using external hosted labs to develop against like the DevNet sandboxes or dcloud. 
to learn. All right, that's a lot. Okay, Stephen, welcome. Who are you? What do you do? Hi, Emily. Uh, my name is Stephen Painter. Uh, I'm a network engineer. My background is mainly within financial and government sectors. Uh, I'm a long-term CCIE. I'm currently working as an automation engineer, focusing on automating at scale using products such as Ansible AAP, GitLab, and Artifactory. You can find me on Twitter at Stephen Painter on my blog at devnetstudy.com. Uh, currently at home, uh, my lab is completely virtualized. I have gone through the pain in the past of having to buy equipment to do various qualifications over the years. So now I'm completely focused on Cisco CML and I have a VMware setup which I run for various infrastructure boxes that I stand up. All right. Respect. Okay, Zoe, last but not least, who are you? Hey, I'm Zoe Rose. I currently work for Canon EBA as a very long title, so I'm going to just shorten it to Information Security Team Lead. That's the that's the shortened version. Um I I'm actually kind of I'm kind of in the same boat as Gerard. I really like physical hardware just because it's like getting a present to me. If it's virtual, it's not like I'm opening a present. So I get a little bit sad. But I do see the benefits to virtualization. Um and it is, you know, it's a little bit lighter and takes a bit a little bit less space up. <laughs> so there's that. But um yeah. You can find me at rosec.com, uh, which has links to my LinkedIn and Twitter, and I think I have other social media as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I the reason I wanted to talk about this um, this topic is because right now I do not have a home lab, and so I want to live vicariously through all of these lovely uh, attendees <laughs> to hear about all of their cool uh, deployments and solutions. Um, I suppose to define a home lab, I don't really have a strict definition, but it's essentially an environment that you can play around with that you don't have to get sign off from your boss uh, because it's your money that you're typically using to spend for uh, building it. Maybe you have to get sign off from your partner. I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, my experience with labs historically was anything I could get my hands on, so as free as possible. Uh, my very first lab was a bunch of Cisco routers and switches that was donated with the license, so it was very easy, um, up to, you know, having some servers, having, well, nothing fancy. It was like old laptops that I had running. So it wasn't like a crazy environment, but um, but it was things that I wanted to teach myself. So for example, I wanted to learn how to deploy Splunk. So I built a home lab to like train myself. And so I'd really be interested to chatting with all of the other delegates, I guess, I don't know, attendees. Um, I'd be interested in hearing everybody else's use cases to talk about why is a lab valuable and considerations as to why we would choose a virtual lab versus a physical lab or why you choose a physical lab versus a virtual lab. And then um, potentially, considerations that people can think about as to why they would want to pursue that uh, and how it could benefit them. So I suppose to start with, um, I'd be interested in talking about everybody's experience or different use cases where they would choose a virtual lab or a physical lab. Um, I already kind of mentioned mine was always virtual, bit bit of, uh, sorry, physical with a bit of virtual in there, but, um, but I'm curious, does anybody have a very strong opinion as to which one's better? 
Well, well, I'll kick it off. I mean, so here, so here's, I'll keep, I'll give, keep it as short as I can, right? So I have kids, everybody, you know, in this community and, and all over usually know, for those who don't know, I have children. So in an ideal situation, if it was up to my wife, everything would be virtual and she'd be like, I don't ever have to see any of your stuff ever. That, that Okay, I understand that. But for me, the short of it is this goes back to my initial roots getting into IT for the last, you know, 15 years or so in my career, right? I started help desk, worked my way up. I was a computer technician, right? I was a PC technician. So your job, I'm part of that old school era, the original, like you have to know how to do basic hardware troubleshooting, right? Like, you know how to have to, you know, check to see if it's this or do a solid boot or swap memory and all that good stuff. So that and my tinkering ability, if you want, kind of led over as I found my love and passion for networking that bled over to that. And that's when I started dissembling network switches. And I was like, you know what? It's just something that stuck with me. And then, you know, obviously I've tested and tried different solutions like CML, um, you know, some of the sandboxes, uh, like packet tracer, things like that. And I just will always, I just find like to, you know, Steven and, and Zoe, your point, like I need to physically touch it, right? Like I need to see that layer two, layer three interaction. I need to know how the forwarding engine, you know, the controllers, everything works in this that makes it tick and run. It was no different too. I actually got rid of gear because to be fair, it was getting a little, like I had three PowerEdge R630 servers and I was just spitting up the Amazon and my wife's like, this, this is ridiculous. This has to go, you know? And I was like, all right. But then I went and bought a massive, a massive closure because my one-year-old in my in my office thankfully it wasn't too bad she was pulling my smaller switch because i had it mounted but i had those terrible uh i had those terrible casters they were horrible but um yeah i just i've always felt the need that i have to physically touch the hardware right from a troubleshooting perspective obviously i'm currently getting ready to sit for my ccna my ccnp afterwards and then yeah i've added a different uh you know different pieces of hardware such as fortinet i've really the last two three years or so i've dived into their solutions phenomenal products I know, but it's just it's a mishmash of everything because as there's a new piece of technology and there's something hardware component related, I need to be exposed to it, right? Like when you were saying I don't like virtual, my uh my channel rep, he's like, Hey, you know, you finished your certs. I have a virtual instance for your lab of uh, you know, my the Fortigate or the Fortnite firewall and I was like, ah. But then he came back, I was like, I'll wait till the till the box is coming and literally two days he's like, Hey, by the way, I got firewalls. It's like, Yes. You know, like I'll hold out because for me, I need to lab the concept, fully understand it. And there's just things in my opinion and everybody I respect, you know, their opinion, you just can't mimic in a virtual environment, right? Like you can't mimic power outages. You can't mimic, you know, bouncing a poor, you can't mimic, you know, kind of just setting those tones and really trying to dive into it. So that's, that's just always been my take on it. Yeah. And, and you're right on a, on a couple of things. One of the big benefits of physical is the hardware engine. Uh, anything that is related to the hardware engine like spanning tree or the ASICs in a Cisco switch, you cannot test them properly virtually. If you set up a little bit of a bigger virtual lab with switches and you're going to test spanning tree behavior, it's going all over the place, not even BFD. So if you want to learn those technologies, you need to have those physical switches. And for me, it's the same. Uh, for the new technology, I want to learn about it. I want to use it before I actually can consult it to my customers hey, and say, hey, this product is really stable or this software release is stable. So I'm testing it out in my home. Yeah. And and if I if I could piggyback real quick to, to Steven's point initially, and he said automation, like my ears, like just I love automation, right? The last two years, 
even a little pre-COVID, like I've just fell in love with automation and the ability and now being able to really sit down, run Ansible playbooks against my switches. How can I automate that? Then take those tools into my job or consulting or whatever I do and how to start building things to scale. It's just adding more tools to the arsenal, right? I feel like the more tools you got, the more dangerous you could be. I've just kind of started dabbling in Python, I'd say the last month or so, you know, still trying to get stronger every day, but that's, that's, like I said, I need to physically see it. So I'm with you. See, for me, it's it's always been convenience. So yeah. I, I'm old. I did my CCI in 2002. Um, and at, at that point in time, there was a very little virtual labs out there. Uh, there was a couple off the top of my head, and they weren't stable. They just yeah. weren't. And I had a 42U cabinet in my study downstairs, and that had a various amount of that I could emulate what I, I suspected was going to be on the lab. You know, there was frame relay on my lab, so I had a frame relay switch. There was token ring. I had an ISDN simulator. Everything was physically in hardware. Um, right. Since then, and since CML has been brought out and it's been packaged and there's been really good updates and it's it's kept updating. The versions are all, you know, regular updated. It, it's a lot better, and I just pay the the yearly subscription and everything now is in CML. Um, the sandboxes that DevNet provide, I mean, I, I, I did my entire DevNet professional by using them sandboxes, and there's some kit in there that I could never emulate. And if I did need to emulate it physically, it it would cost me a lot of money to get that. But I'm also in a in a, a lucky position where at work we have a lab, and okay. within that lab is a lot of um, Nexus which you need a high-powered processor within CML to run that. Um, so I've got Nexus on hand at work, which I can I can mess about with, which mimics our partial environment. But for me, you know, back to the back to the start, it's always been convenience. What what's the most efficient for my needs, and what's the least amount of outlay? I don't don't mind spending money if I if I can get a benefit out of it. But yeah, when when you're saying you you physically need that kit in your hands. I've got one twenty five hundred and I've got one thirty I think it's a thirty nine hundred switch in the loft, which I use to take in when um I do STEM days at school. I take them in, I tell the kids this is what the internet's made up of and generally do a little bit of subnetting, you know, the first first four octets and and, and the kids are fascinated, but that's the only reason I keep them is is just for that, just for no other reason. I was just gonna mention that I, I, I think to be clear, my argument for why I like the physical hardware is not convenient or related to anything logical. It's if I don't physically see something, I forget it exists. Hmm. Yeah, I don't have that. Well, it, well, <laughs> the have issues with wireless then, so we. I'm just going to touch on on that as well. Like, so I'm I did my CCI in wireless, right? And even now to this day, like it's very important that you know how that wireless piece works. Right. So it's and you just you just can't virtualize that. Right. Well, to 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 a point. Right. So I think everyone's making good points. And I, I, going back to what Stephen said, it's like, what's my return on on the investment that I'm putting into it? Right. So if you're doing your CCIE or, you know, you're doing one of those major um, exams, you do need to fit, have a combination of physical hardware. But really, you know, there's such a um, sunk cost in a lot of this. And although you can sell it and, you know, pass it on, you probably want to um virtualize where you can as well because you're going to need to like spend hours building building and then 
blowing it up and then rebuilding it, you know, and having that kind of setup starts getting expensive, you know, but on the, on the flip side, if you're doing work and stuff, it's, you know, if you're using, if your company's kind of like using, relying heavily on network infrastructure, uh, due to not just business continuity, but like, you know, critical services and whatnot, you kind of do need to have a digital twin, right? A digital twin is really important because you're going to need to test production, um, you know, production features that you want to put in without, you know, impacting critical business functions, right? It could be safety systems. It could be, um, it could be just operating a mine. It could be, you know, like anything to do with like day-to-day -day stuff that we would we take for granted but if something went offline we'd be in a lot of, we'd be in a lot of problems right so i you know it's it's a mixture it's a mixture where i used um uh, professional apps from gold labs from way back from cisco to test out vpc technology and migrations uh and adding a link because well i didn't have any nexus at home no surprise there and i did want to test that before i would take out two data centers and the whole business <laughs> you don't want to do that <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you you definitely don't want to do that. And I got I got to give it to you, Steve. That's awesome. You know, especially I've heard a lot of the stories and you know, my friends and people have taken like the CCIE and they're just like, yeah, they have like they're like full blown service providers. I've seen some of their labs and I'm like, no, 42 use my wife would divorce me. She's like, I have a mate that built a brand new lab right from the ground up. And it's a replica yeah. mine, basically. <clears throat> and he spent a lot of money on it, but he also had to redo the electrics in his house. If I was buying a house, that would be a consideration of right. what can I put in this house and do I have a server room? I, I mean, I have the advantage, I suppose, that my husband would probably think it's really cool. Um, I don't think he'd know what, what I was doing, but I think he'd think it was cool. At least I hope so. Well, I, but, I, um, I, I told my wife when, when, I, when we buy our last home, like the you know forever home, yeah, I've... I've already started specking out like yeah there's gonna be a lab it's gonna be we're gonna, it's gonna be deep so you know if we gotta we gotta add that extra electrical we need that juice for the you know she's like that's fine you do whatever you need but that's to a really good that's a really good comment though is um the noise and the power consumption at the space physical labs they're noisy no they, they take don't up have a to lot be. of space no, no, no. No. i mean like because i choose my hardware with the same chipset but with fanless designs and the same with my home lab server, which is a small compact server. It's not running that much and it's almost close to fanless. So one of my lab requirements for physical is fanless for the noise. Yeah. What I did too with my, my sys racks, there's, there's two, uh, I think 24 or 28 millimeter big fans that sit on the top of the case. So they help with the cooling and better airflow and circulation. But what I did was I put two, uh, I don't remember the brand, I apologize, but it, a lot of people use it for like podcasting. So I bought it, it's like that soundproof and I put it on the inside. So that also kind of dims down a lot of the sound. Cause the thing is, is 3550s are like, okay. And then the 2960Xs sound like, you know, an F50 jet. Like, and she's like, really? Like, so. You know, I had to kind of find that happy medium, but like I said, I don't remember the name of it, um, but it's like I said, it's padding. You can put on the walls and it kind of like helps with noise reduction and sound. And I just put maybe like two, three small pieces on the inside of just the sides because it's really, it's a, like I said, it's a very deep case. So <laughs> the cheapest sure option helps. is to get a good set of noise canceling headphones. You'd true. be amazed how good it, it is. Honestly, it works really well. It, it's one of my I things like that I use in the center. I feel like if Gerard forced his wife to walk around her own house with noise cancelling headphones, <laughs> we'd be having a different conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I bought her a wire. I bought her like two wireless pair for gaming. So most of the time, like she's gaming or hanging out and she really doesn't hear it. I mean, she doesn't like I said, you know, she, she busts me, but she, she's very supportive of it. Um, 
she understands why I do it, you know, right? It's obviously to perfect my craft and get better. I'm just saying, thing is as well, you could locate that lab into, you know, an attic, a loft, a basement, a garage, but typically because it's a lab, you want to break it and you want to mess with it. And I can remember, I'm, I'm sure Jonathan's the same, I can remember on the run-up to my CCIE, I was, I was reconfiguring a lab every day. I'd, I'd configure something in the morning, then I'd completely repatch it, and I'd do a completely different lab in the afternoon, and that was that was the ritual day in, day out. So I, it had to be on hand all the time, but I know exactly where you're coming from. It was it was unfeasibly noisy, and it was a beautiful summer, the summer that I was studying up to me, up to take the lab, and it was just, it was like a blast furnace in my downstairs study. Felt like I well, should be sitting in a pair of swimming trunks configuring, but... On the other yeah. side of it, though, as well, for virtual labbing, right? If you're going to virtual lab for like uh, me, for me, virtual labs means you're studying, trying to reach a goal for like a cert, right? That's probably the main reason I would envisage using a virtual lab in that scenario. I, I prefer having a physical lab otherwise for work because you have to test a lot of the scenarios about lifting gear in, heat loads, you know, you know, for cooling, power consumption, that kind of stuff. But the problem I have with virtual labbing is you have to schedule it. And everyone wants a piece of that pie, right? So if you're trying to book it in, like, you know, especially when you're doing kind of certs, I always struggle a bit trying to find, because I'm in Australia, like just trying to find uh, somewhere that actually has a virtual lab available at the times I need it. So that that, that was tough. That's assuming that you're using external virtual lab. I am running CML personal edition at home. Yeah. Oh, this is pre, pre, pre all time. that. This yeah, this is when I was doing my IE. Like, it would have been pre all, all the CNL stuff, so. Yeah, that yeah. that's why I said I misused the gold labs where you would train on VSS or VPC, and I would just take that lab, destroy it, rebuild a different configuration that mimics my customer's network, and then try to prepare my changes. And that's funny that you said that, Jonathan, because I think it was like two and a half years ago or so. And this was again pre, you know, you know, having your own personal CML. I, I, I think it was just a DevNet sandbox. It's gotten way better now, but I did. I was like, hey, let me schedule some time. And they're like, you're not a cool kid. We'll see you in a week. And I'm like, mm. but it was, it's what you know. Again, I know it was new, and you know, everybody wanted to get their hands on it. So that's what it is. It's trying to fight for you know your seat at the table at the time, but it's obviously branched out and gotten a, there's a lot more times to schedule and book but that's an instance where again see i'm not see if i was focusing on a devnet cert i'd want to utilize and leverage a little bit more sandboxes right because again there's so much i could do with my gear and then i would okay let me sprinkle a little bit of that piece on but i'm still again i'm just i'm gonna love yeah. my gear true true and um especially those devnets were fully booked around cisco live dates yeah completely so what are what is the limitation? So I'm not a CML expert here. So you know, can someone talk about that? Like, are there like uh, technology limitations with, within the CML beyond physical having touching? You know, being able to see the gear. So Cisco provide um, a, a bunch of images on there. You there's various um, licenses. I've got the 20 license um, personal edition, which gives which allows me to stand 20 devices up at once. Um, there is an enterprise one which extends that somewhat i don't know exactly off the top of my head it might be something like 100 devices I, I, i'm just guessing um but pretty much now within cml you can if you've got the image you can load pretty much anything you want in there i had an f5 image and i had a personal license for an f5 and i stood an f5 up in cml so it's pretty it's pretty That's flexible pretty cool. um hmm. i don't know how backward compatible it is I, I mean i wouldn't want to be standing 2500s up in cml uh, you know it's 
legacy technology. It's not not on any core exams or anything like that. So I don't know, but there's definitely uh, there's some um, virtual routers on there, which you can stand up the same as what you would stand up in the cloud. Um, there's Nexus on there. There's a couple of other things. I, I'd have to. Switches, ASA firewalls. Um, yeah. You can build almost any CCNA laptop, perhaps not wireless, uh, but anything else you can use on CML. I'm I'm on the same personal edition version, and I'm actually using it for one of the books that I'm writing. Uh, and I'm writing. I'm using a lab there, and it will also be published. So you can download that YAML file or and for another lab environment, so you can actually code against it. So I'm actually integrating a virtual lab into the book. That is really awesome. And it's totally, you can totally automate against it as well. So, you know, you can run anything you want against it. You can stand it up with an Ansible. You can trigger um, your labs to start via Ansible or Python or whatever, or PyATS. PyATS is integrated into it. There's all sorts that you can run. World's your oyster. We talked a lot about um, building a lab to learn or building a lab for a certification or your book, obviously. But um, but I'm curious, what is there any other use cases people can think of as to why you would have a lab? I mean, I'm a bad example because I use it to learn or when I'm really bored, uh, it makes me feel cool playing with things that I don't get to do at my day, day job anymore. But uh, any other any other thoughts? Well, I, I guess this would, I, I mean, and maybe if, if everybody wants to chime in and you're, I mean, this, so I think this would still kind of fall under learning, but what was really cool is a big part of my career, like early on, I went to uh, the CTC, which is like our career technology center. Like I'm a Votech kid. So vocational education is kind of where I started and I'm on the board. Right. And I, and we, we have our annual like board meetings, like two times throughout the year. And they've done a whole remodel like 10, 15 years ago. And to see it from what it was to what it is now is amazing. You know, like they split the program into two things. There's a security division and then there is just a full blown networking one. And they partnered with Cisco Networking Academy. And there's a full fledged like 42 unit lab in the classroom. Like they have pen testing. They have a physical pen testing lab. And I just think that's amazing because when I was there, first of all, you didn't want to get the printer jobs. Cause I went there from my sophomore year to my, my uh, senior year. If you got the printer jobs, you knew you were in the, you know, you're in the, you're in trouble. I'm like, but you, we actually worked on electronic boards with capacitors, resistors, you know, make it fans, lights, things spin like before we actually touched a machine because we had to learn like, and we just didn't have a lab, you know, like, and it was so much that was, I graduated in 2007. So I think it's always cool. At least, and I, I don't know what schools a lot more like the Cisco networking Academy and how big they're getting, at least in, in, in my area, because I think that's great, right? Like kids are getting physical hands-on experience at like 17, 18, 19 years old, right out of the gate. I didn't have that. Like, I didn't touch my first switch till I was about, you know, well, 21. So I just, I just think it's great, you know, and it was kind of on my own recognizance. Yeah, no, I agree. Getting it into schools and younger, younger people, it, I think that's a really good idea because it kind of demystifies a lot of things that we just take for granted now that we're further in our career. Like yeah. I remember when I started, I didn't know what the internet was. I mean, I literally in college, I, and this is after being an IT manager. Okay. I should clarify. I was working in industry. Then I went to college and they asked me to draw the internet. And I will be honest, it included <laughs> pictures of unicorns and magic. Because <laughs> I got to a certain Very point good. and I was like, I don't know. That's awesome. Next. I want to find I literally that. didn't know. Dude, you should find that diagram and just like we should frame that because I think that's amazing. I don't know if I <laughs> can. Bring us the magic where the don't path know if my confidence can handle that. <laughs> but I'll but... be honest, yes, there was unicorns and magic. 
the, the other side of it is like for for our, for like I think I touched on it earlier. Like it's really important that I think companies need to understand that to keep a con uh, service maintained, like you need maintenance windows and you need to be able to test out you know um, features that you may be introducing, right? Because technology is evolving rapidly, right? So yeah. the kind of adaptation of it, like a digital twin, and that might be virtualized, Peter, but it's and still be physical, right? It's, it's kind of like a mixture thing, but having like your own sandbox, that's a replica of your environment, I find is extremely useful. I agree for work, but I also find, and that's one of the jobs that I'm doing, there we have a full setup of a building, a replication with modern equipment, with everything the same. And that should, we're also building that for the data center. And I think that's the responsibility of the work to have a work lab where you can do all those kind of things. It's actually good mm -hmm. IT management, I would say. Mm -hmm. For a home lab, I would also say not only learning, but yeah, it's also learning. Um, it's trying out new tech. It is also learning, of course, but it's not learning for a cert. It's more like, hey, look, this is a new cool technology or a new feature or something new for my home, and I just want to try it out. For all the yep. companies listening, what we're saying is budget that in. <laughs> That's for major projects. Hardware and obsolete <laughs> software versions, because then you cannot do any proper re, uh, root cause analysis of your major yeah. incidents. You cannot prepare for proper migrations. You need to have that test environment reflecting the same hardware and software versions as your production environment. Well, you need to do that for everything, like installing patches. You should have a test environment, um, figuring out what's the most secure deployment. You know, you should, sure. you can have a test environment and say, if I turn this off, is that going to break everything? No. Okay, I, I, then I, we can do that in production. I, I'm an you know, advocate th for Those that. are definite considerations, definite considerations. But from a home lab, I just like playing. Yeah, that's it. Say I, I use my home lab to circumvent the system. So I look at it from a completely different uh, perspective. So because I'm working in automation, um, if I want to automate something in the lab at work, there's so many hoops I've got to jump through because we're in a containerized environment. So I've got to consider what Python dependencies I need and what modules I need, if I, I need to in, import any additional Ansible stuff. So what I normally do is I normally just spin a quick device up at home. Um, I go away and test on my home lab to make sure I've got this Python requirement or this Ansible module, make sure it all works. If it does, then I can take that back into the lab. I can package that up into a container and build the container. Then I can get that pushed up to GitLab. Somebody can merge it for me. And then I can start testing with a, the hope that I, I've already tested all of those minute and minuscule things at home. And I know what 95% of them should be. And then there might just be a little bit of tweaks when I get into work. That's that's primarily what I use my home lab for. Yeah, that's that's definitely a good a good approach to it. That's phenomenal because I thought like of I said, another use case. I thought of another use case. My very first talk ever. I created a very rubbish product. Uh, it wasn't a product, it was a script. And I was talking about network configuration management and you know how sexy that is. It's important to know what the configuration is of your routers and switches. And so I made a really rubbish script that would pull syslog and post it, post it on a website. And the website was black with green text because it was super elite. Um, <laughs> And uh, it was vulnerable to SQL injection. It was a bad, bad, bad thing. But the, I did have to create a little lab for it. And I'd mixed changes on my router or switch. I can't remember. I think I was using like routers. I don't even think I had a switch. 
switch in there. I don't remember. I don't remember. Anyway, and uh, and so that was a use case. It wasn't really me learning, and it wasn't really. Uh, I guess it was building. I mean, I was learning, but I I wanted to learn Python. And, yeah, it's development. Um, you can code and yeah. develop against your own environment, which is allowed yeah. to go down without any major impact. Well, well, and also company, it wasn't COVID, secure. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it wasn't secure at all. So it's like I didn't have to worry because I wanted to use it to learn Python. So I guess it was a learning use case still. Um, but I didn't have to worry about all the rubbish security things that I do for my job. <laughs> yeah, let's forget security. Rubbish. <laughs> Yeah, we don't care. <laughs> I mean, it's say? my job. Yeah. No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> but it it made me feel um, it, it made me feel safe to learn because I wasn't going to break anything and I wasn't going to cause an outage and I wasn't uh, I going to embarrass myself. Yeah, I think it's important that you know if you're starting out in networking, right, and you're not entirely sure, it's really important to get some equipment, hundred percent. Like that. That's that's a no brainer. And like, you know, a lot of companies will, uh, you know, will um, uh, recycle through, you know, lifecycle management and whatnot. There's always equipment available, right? And it could be the worst piece of kit ever. But you know what? It, realistically, you're learning the principles of networking. So all of that gear is good gear, right? And it might, it might, it might go off like a rocket. <laughs> you know, it might heat up your entire room. Uh, you know, if you're if you're stuck in your underwear, I think Stephen mentioned it earlier during your CCIE in the middle of summer, that could be your situation. <laughs> that was not an image I was expecting in this call, but anyway, uh, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, no, absolutely, it's important to have physical equipment, right? Like, you know, if you're on that journey and you're trying to understand concepts and and whatnot, you do need physical gear. It's it's kind of, but you know, the, the things have advanced so much, and like even in five years, you know, virtualization has come along so much you can nearly get with it as well, you know? So who knows where we're going to be at in another five years? Yeah, and the, the advantage also of the old hardware is they don't have any recurring licenses that you need to get. With modern equipment, yeah. you need to have all these subscription-based licenses, whereas our old switches, which are still doing Ethernet and are still doing spanning tree and VLANs, you can use them to learn the network without those costly licenses. My first lab was all donated uh, hardware and yeah. they all came with licenses because I think it, I might, it might have been old school hardware or something, but they donated it to a hackerspace um, and, uh, oh no, they don't, actually a friend donated to me and I donated it to hackerspace when I moved country. Um, and I think that's a really good, uh, a really good kind of, if you're struggling, because you know, financially it's maybe not the easiest time for a lot of people as well so joining communities and seeing where you can get stuff for free that's a really good starting place from your when you're you know starting out and, and just to bring on or piggyback on that point there's so two or three things so one like the vocational schools at least worldwide some of them that i know they have partnerships and i know like around here a lot of banks will donate old desktops but especially now with the, you know, networking program that's been around the last three, four, five years or so, you know, they donate a lot of the older switches, firewalls, APs. Like, that's how I got my first two pieces of equipment, you know, it was donated. I even still have my Cisco 2500 router, which is more of a relic. It's just, it's just there. And the kids think it's this great thing and they just plug a spare cable into it. Like, that, that's fine, you know? Um, but I just think that's imperative too, is being able like, what can you can donate now, if you can, if you have a little bit of a budget, depending on how old you are, right? Like, you know, if you're a little bit older teenager working or, you know, a young adult, like eBay, you could always find some great gear 
for really for really really cheap you know if you go to ebay and you put in you know cisco you know 3550 you know you could probably get two or three switches for you know i'm gonna guesstimating i don't want to put a number but like you know like ridiculously cheap you're not gonna spend thousands of dollars on it and power cords so you know there's definitely something for everybody there's that hap there's that happy medium and that balance right like you know if there's free resources that's better you know because again you're getting your hands on it getting your hands dirty and really diving into it and that's the best part is tinkering experimenting exploring that's how you know we become better engineers but if you can invest investing a little money goes a long way and learn from mistakes that's how we learn too <laughs> that's true yeah new hardware platforms you kind of need to see it in action right like oh yeah you're taking like if you're taking a brand new piece of like a product family, right? You you need to actually put that through its paces. We I'll generally do that. Like I'll stick it in somewhere hot and nasty and bake it for you know six months and see how we go. Yeah, I'm still trying to fingers crossed that a Catalyst ninety two hundred just falls off of a truck somewhere and happens to be coming down my street. But so far that hasn't so far hasn't happened. So you know, just saying. <laughs> I keep my eyes out. <laughs> I do have the window. Mary Claire's next to me. I'm like, do you see any switches? She's like, no. Okay. At least now with a, with a new kit, at least it's, you know, the majority of it is just Ethernet cable now. I mean, back in the back in the glory days, you'd spend a small fortune on cables just to wire your lab up, whether that was DTE, DCE cables or transceivers, um, Ethernet, you know, all sorts back in the day. I think your investment into ca even cabling just to get you up and running back in the day was was a, was really cost prohibitive at the time. Yeah. No, that's fair. <laughs> if if we were to look at if you were looking at your experience uh, with virtual versus physical, which one would you say is more expensive? Um, for the money that I've spent, it was one hundred percent physical. Sorry, I did get some kit donated from the place that I was working at at the time, but. You know, I went out and bought token ring switches and they were all second hand, but at the time you were looking at nine hundred pounds for a token ring switch. I had to buy a frame relay switch. Uh, Cisco twenty 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 five twenty one, I think it was at the time, or twenty five twenty two. Um there was a terminal server so that I could physically plug my PC in and remote telnet and everything. Um a lot of money. Um and now I just pay $199 a year. Cisco CML, job done. Bish bash bosh, stamp on the tin. And if I need anything else, if I need to just do some read-only stuff, I'll just use one of the always-on sandboxes. Um, there's never a reservation issue because they're always on and nobody can change anything. It's read-only. Um, if I need to do anything where I want to write stuff or you know change something, amend something, and I haven't got that in CML, I'll just I'll just book a book a sandbox. Just book one of them. Yeah. And, I think and the grow, physical lab they're growing every week. You know, there's there's always something new getting added uh, or more expansion. And I think what Cisco is doing that way is fantastic because they're taking no money for it. I think the physical lab, like you're looking at about a thirty percent hit, right? Even if you resell the gear, it's still like a significant hit. So, totally agree with you, Stephen. Like the virtualization, if it's comprehensive enough for the field that you're wanting to work in, then absolutely, that that it is a no-brainer. And, and even if you don't have the budget for a home uh, Intel NUC or Pro or something like that to run your CML on, you can run a competitor like EVE-NG and you can use a, a cloud platform and only pay for the time it's being enabled for you. That's the other good point, isn't it, Peter? That yeah, outlay to run CML is you've either got to be clever about how you deal with it or you're probably talking a thousand pound to get a machine that's got a xeon in with adequate memory to run run the bigger images within cml 
Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm not running on a uh, Xeon server processor because I'm also looking at power budget. So I'm running on an Intel Core i7, I think, with enough CPU for the things I need to do on CML. And the CML is running as a VM under my vSphere free uh, license. So I'm also being able to use v, uh, vSphere and test other stuff too. I mean, those are some things too, like, you know, with, with different programs and licenses, you know, especially like for VMware and things of that nature that we're able to leverage. That always helps. You know, especially in, but physical is always going to, like Jonathan said, it's just going to prepare to, you know, prepare for the worst, but expect, you know what? No, I actually kind of messed that up. Not prepare for the worst. I got it backwards. Prepare to spend a lot of money. <laughs> go, go, go into it thinking like, hey, go, go into it thinking, hey, you're going to spend a lot. But then, you know, it's nice when, when I say a lot, like, you know, I'm, let's say three to 500, because I've seen labs, like full pre-designed labs, cables and everything that go for a grand to 1300. And that's, you know, maybe after taxes, you're still looking at like maybe 1376, but that's a pre-built lab rack and all. So it's kind of like, you got to weigh your options out, you know? Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, well, we're kind of running out of time. So to finish oh, no. off, I, I know it's, it's a really interesting topic, but, um, but to finish off, I think thoughts, if you have any thoughts that you want to close off on, uh, regarding either home labs or virtual versus physical or considerations blah, blah, blah. um if we just go around and um say our final thoughts um first on my screen is actually jonathan so i'll start with him Ooh, lucky jonathan uh okay so like just summary uh if you're starting out and you're doing networking from the first time absolutely physical if you're just doing day-to-day -day stuff and you want to test out features i think virtualization is the way to go but i also think uh if you're doing like more work focused production stuff you need to invest you need to get your the business to invest in a in a digital twin environment. I think that's like a no brainer as well. So that's my summarization. Peter, I'm uh, I'm with Jonathan on the on the work labs because that's critical that the company supplies that. Even if you want to do it at home, they should provide enough hardware and licenses so you can do your development jobs from home. Um, for home labs, for personal learning, uh, as uh, for me, it's also practicing uh, what you preach which I'm a firm believer in, which means I'm testing real life too. And not only on a lab to see how the technology works. No, I want to apply the technology at home so I can actually learn from that and learn from the mistakes that somebody else made or I made. Uh, and for me, that's a great learn experience. Gerard, your next one on the list. I'm gonna go with them, you know, just keep the theme going. Um, especially looking back on it, you know, when I started really getting into networking, I mean, IT as a whole, but networking, it was, always making sure I had those opportunities to touch gear when I can be it at a lab or, you know, at Votech and now in my own lab. So, or in my, you know, in my own home and, and taking those concepts. So if you can invest in yourself, because it's always going to go back, whether it's, you know, an entry level certification, professional level experiences grow, right? You're going to take that for the next 10, 15, 20 years and have, you're going to look back on it and it's going to be worth the investment. And I'm always a big believer too. You know, if you get, you give, you know, so donate that stuff. Don't, don't hold on to it. I mean, I, I, I know my wife's going to listen to this one. She does listen. She listens what I put it on, but she'll listen to this one. There is going to be a day where I'm going to donate my gear to somebody, you know, who else is going to need it when that time comes, but it ain't that time yet. So when that switch comes down the, <laughs> down the road. And, then, and maybe the 92, maybe the catalyst 9200s will go down in price and then I'll just start it all over again. So this is Cavalina's. It's not that time yet. Let's just be clear. We're going to have room back. <laughs> Steven, you're there. Um, I, I agree with what's been said. I mean, the, the three major points are if 
you're trying to lab something up at work and there isn't a lab at work, you need to be asking your boss why. Um, second, if you are just starting out, as the guy said, CCNA, you know, working up to your CCNP, you're probably better off jumping on eBay and seeing if you can pick up three layer three switches. You can probably do most stuff that you need to do for them tests on them devices. Um, and if you're further down the route, you know, you don't need to have that kit in front of you. You don't need to have touchy feely or you're going down the DevNet route. There's adequate stuff free uh, within Cisco CML online uh, within the sandboxes. And if you want a personal edition, you can run all that at home. You can build multiple labs and you can just spin them up when and you need each or uh, every scenario that you've built. That's that would be my three takeaways from from today's discussion. Yeah, I think my my takeaways are obviously in line with everybody. Um, I I like the physical, so I think it's fun. But I also am kind of lazy, uh, so there is the consideration that when you do virtualize, maybe you're not responsible for maintaining the patches. Or it depends on what you're virtualizing. So I suspect on one side, if I can be lazy, I am. So I'm a mix, I suppose. I like opening the presents. I like seeing it. I like the physical, but I am lazy. So you are not lazy, Zoe. Let's clarify that I you're busy. That. You I have a small child. You have a lot, a lot of things going on. Yeah, always something going on. But I think, but I think figuring out, figuring out what what you're trying to achieve. You know, what are you using your your lab for? What's the goal? Um, and where what's going to be most beneficial to you? Yes, cost. Yes, space. But also. If you're spending all your time maintaining the environment and don't actually get to play with it, then you've got an issue, right? So figure out what it is you want to spend your time doing. All right. Nicely done. I know I, I learned a thing or two. Um, to our listeners, if you want to learn more, check out the links provided below. Uh, and of course, one last reminder, don't forget to subscribe or follow Cisco Champion Radio so you receive alerts when we release an episode. I hope you all enjoyed today's discussion. See you next time. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.